joined on the phone now by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how you doing here today? I'm not bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Just trying to, uh, you know, take it one day at a time. One day we'll be able to, uh, you know, live life like we had, uh, well, we all want to. I know everyone's complaining about it, and uh, I'm, I'm no different, but I'm trying to keep my complaints uh, as internal as possible. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> Kyla, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, just these plans by ICBC. They announced, uh, it's not super new news, but they did announce plans to waive uh, $30 policy cancellation fees as well as $18 replating fees for people who choose to cancel their insurance. Now, I guess it's kind of felt, uh, you know, a lot of people are not driving as much. There's less people on the road. Um, you know, you're not uh, driving to work like you normally would. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are out there looking to save a few dollars when it comes to insurance. Everyone's trying to save money in some way, shape, or form it feels like these days um, just what are your thoughts here on, on what icbc did announce i mean uh, you know i guess they're trying to help people out but uh, it, there's not a, not a whole lot there when we're talking a total of uh, less than 50 bucks yeah it's not really much that's gonna i think make or break it for very many families and for people who've had vehicles and have had to have vehicles that no longer need to use them because their jobs aren't running right now or, or whatever the case may be, the only people who can actually take the insurance off their vehicles completely and turn the plates into ICBC are people who have a house and a driveway to park the vehicle in. But if you live you know, somewhere where you don't have a house where you have to park your vehicle on the street, you can't cancel your insurance. You can maybe change it to parking insurance but you can't cancel it. So it's also only a very small subset of people in British Columbia, most of whom are, you know, have that additional financial asset of a home who are going to be able to get the advantage of this $48 savings. It's a, it's a little bit rich in my opinion that they're doing this when insurance rates are so high. Well, yeah, and, and talking about that as well, too, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who probably, you know, couldn't really be in a position to cancel insurance. I know there's sometimes penalties that are put in place for people who are, you know, have a period of not having insurance. So, I mean, people probably don't want to cancel if they don't have to, but at the same point in time, we're looking to save a few dollars. So, I mean, do you have any I, I thoughts, I guess, on, on what would be a better course of action for ICBC? Um, I'm, I'm sure you've put some, some thought to this. I think that if ICBC is wanting to help people out who are not driving or who are driving significantly less as a result of, of this pandemic, what they could do is offer for people to self-report how their driving has changed and then to adjust their rates to a very, very basic rate for people who are only driving a very small amount, not the people who are continuing to work full-time and, and drive to the grocery store on the weekends, but the people who are out of work and you know still have to drive a little bit and so need to keep their vehicle. I think that would be a better approach, and they can always audit and verify that using the mileage data from the vehicle once the people need to get their insurance back to the full driving mm -hmm. rate. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will be calling for something similar, uh, just because, yeah, you, it's hard to really know exactly what your driving habits are now compared to what they were uh, until you start looking at those, those uh, you know, your odometers and all that kind of stuff and figuring it out. But, yeah, just a lot of people not moving anywhere, so not a need for insurance, but probably don't want to cancel it. Um, and, yeah, 30 bucks or 48 total dollars, not, not a whole lot of incentive there, I don't think, for, for too, too many folks to go about doing that. Um, 
I wanted to ask you too. You you put out this article here, um, you know, uh, not too long ago, just talking about, uh, you know, a BC provincial court looking at all options that will allow it to expand current services and and doing so in a safe manner. So you decided to take take a stab here, Kyla, at trying to put forward some suggestions on how to go about doing that, how to go about expanding some of the services that will be available uh, in the BC court once things once things start to open up. So uh, maybe just on a kind of an overview standpoint, I mean, how can the BC provincial court go about looking to to bring more matters in um, while sort of trying to reduce some of the backlog without you know putting people at risk? Well, I think a big part of it involves looking at the types of matters that the court is hearing and which types of matters can easily be addressed by video conferencing if it's ever going to be available or telephone. Um, lots of things can happen over the phone, and we do things already over the phone in, in numerous courthouses in the provincial court in British Columbia where applications are made. So waiving the requirement for those applications and making the simple matters move forward through telephone hearings would allow a lot of the backlog to be cleared and uh, would allow um, the parties to resolve files that are otherwise sitting there, you know, waiting to see what's going to happen when things get up and running again. Yeah, and, and in your piece, you kind of go through the different types of criminal matters and how they could be addressed in, in different different ways. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me here uh, was just because you obviously are, are someone who deals a lot with traffic violations and, and things that come along with, uh, with, with vehicle incidents. Um, you know, uh, there was talk about... Um, May, May 19th here, so, uh, you know, less than a month away where, where courts could reopen for some traffic court matters again. And you talked a little bit about just how, you know, traffic court can be one of those areas where there is some of the more congested uh, rooms when it comes to being in, in court and dealing with those traffic issues. So I guess just what, what are your thoughts here on uh, whether or not things will start to open up here uh, on May 19th? Do you think that's feasible? And, and sort of how can uh, you go about or, or what ideas do you have to, to help move things along in, uh, in a more rapid manner? I don't think the traffic court can resume as it has been happening because you would have, you know, 30 people crammed into one room. It would be impossible to maintain social distancing. Um, you have officers who have to have close contact discussions with people in the hallways. It just doesn't lend itself to that. But what can be done to alleviate the number of people that are going to come to court is before reopening the court, allow people who just want to dispute the fine amount to get a reduction on their fine or time to pay people who've already made an arrangement with the officer to resolve the ticket and are pleading guilty or the ticket's being withdrawn or they're getting a lesser charge, um, allow those people to do all of that by telephone so that the only matters that are left at the courthouse when things resume are the matters that are being dealt with by way of a trial. And then you're going to have only a handful of people in the courtroom at any given time um, who are needing to be there. It increases the amount of space and increases the opportunities for social distancing. What do you think those steps would do just in terms of timing as well? I mean, how much quicker do you think things could, could speed along if those steps were taken, um, you know, prior to that May, May 19th? I guess the date's not really that important. But if you just took those steps, you know, do you think that, that things could be sped up in a, in a you know, you can't, can't put an obvious actual time frame on it, but, you know, just speaking to how, how much more quickly things could go, I mean, would that make a massive difference? It would make a huge difference. In my experience, usually about 75% of the matters that are on the court list, and lots of days it's 100% of them, are resolved. Um, whether it's somebody pleading guilty, asking for a fine reduction, the officer not showing up, the officer withdrawing the ticket, they're resolved in some way. And so it's, it's very rare to see the majority of the court list actually go to trial. In fact, usually it's only one or two matters that end up being set for trial. So if you have a list that's 30 people reduced down to two people, 
that's a substantial difference that's going to impact a lot of people and speed up the entire court process because we can now start to deal with matters well in advance of the court dates and clear up backlog that exists just naturally in the system that way as well. Now, as some of these changes are implemented, whether they're the ones that you suggest or, you know, whatever other else might come about as, as things do start to resume, do you ever see court working the same way that it was prior to prior to this pandemic? Do you ever see that coming back at all? Or is everything really, do you think, going to be sort of flipped on its head in terms of finding out ways to reduce the backlog, to reduce the amount of people that are coming into courtrooms? I mean, I got to imagine once we start to see how things were coming out of this, that that will probably be the new normal in terms of how the court system works i'm optimistic that we won't go back to the way things were i'm optimistic that we're going to look at this and go look here's a lot of ways that we can improve efficiencies in the system um cut down on the number of times that people are required to sit around in a courthouse it's not just when there's a pandemic that going to court risks people's health i mean there are sick people in the courthouse all the time mm-hmm. you know during the normal times um you know we we need to revisit whether it's necessary to bring somebody there to sit around for 45 minutes to speak for a minute to say i want to adjourn my trial um that's not you know that's not a good use of court time and i think we could significantly increase efficiency in the system if we adopted some of the procedures that we're going to be using to bring things back to normal as permanent solutions going forward yeah, and um, I, I, court date's probably not something a lot of people are thinking about calling in sick to either, so it's not something that you can just put off as, as easily as, you know, maybe taking a day off work or something. Not that anyone ever wants to do that, but uh, when it comes to the court, you're, you're probably not going to miss your date because you got the sniffles. So um, no. definitely something to keep in mind, I think. Now, uh, I wanted to end things up on a little bit of a, a less serious note. Uh, you've started this new YouTube segment called Kyla's Court. I've watched a couple of them now, you know, short segments, maybe four minutes long, where you're taking a dispute and trying to help provide some kind of resolution. Um, you know, the, the one I saw that uh, you talked about dogs attacking each other under a fence and you were able to decide which neighbor was maybe at fault. Uh, the last one was uh, real important. It had a, a, a woman who had a, a, an issue with her, her uh, feline roommate. He helped, uh, you know, resolve that situation. Um, you know, why was this something that you wanted to do? I mean, obviously we're all bored and we need some entertainment, but, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what was your motivation? I love Judge Judy and all those courtroom TV shows, and none of them are filming new episodes right now. So I thought, you know what, here's a way to make people laugh for people like me who are fans of those shows to give them something that they enjoy and they want to watch and uh, and to, you know, just poke a little bit of fun at myself in the in the meantime. So that was why. Awesome. Well, I really like it. I hope people check it out. And if anyone out there is listening and has something that they need resolved, uh, how can they go about contacting you to see if, you, you know, Judge, Judge Kyla can, uh, can come to the rescue? They can submit their dispute to me on Twitter, or they can send in uh, send me an email, kyla at kylalee.ca, or vancouvercriminallaw.com slash kyla's court. We have an online forum for suspicion, or submissions. Perfect. I love it. And you can find Kyla on Twitter at IRP Lawyer as well. So thanks so much, Kyla. Really appreciate it. Hopefully you get a few new, uh, few new issues to resolve. I, I look forward to seeing them. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. That was Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee.